Buffs Nation. What's going on? Welcome back into the Buffs Nation podcast. How we doing? How's the morale, Buffs fans? How we feeling this time of the year? It's always tough watching these bowl games, sitting at home, nothing left, you know, but we've got some stuff to talk about today. We'll, we'll, we'll catch everyone up on the recent news. Obviously, a new hire, big new hire for the Buffs, uh, new offensive coordinator, uh, recruiting. There was a huge recruiting session that, that uh, just happened, so we'll catch you up there. And the schedule for 2022 was released. So that's all big news. We'll get into that today. I'm Tyler Walgie. He is Jared All to my right. Jared, how are you doing? How are you feeling? I'm feeling good. It's good to be back in the studio. It's been a couple of weeks now away. It has been uh, too long. I mean, we had the... I was out of town. And then there was some COVID issues. And then... You know, Buffs just weren't playing. So, and as a Buffs fan, if you're you're out there feeling sorry for yourself, um, you know, just know there are others out there feeling worse about themselves. I I had the <laughs> uh, the luxury, uh, as you would call it, the the chore of driving to and from uh, Lincoln, Nebraska, this last weekend. Oh wow! Um, okay, well, boy, I'm sorry are about they that. feeling sorry for themselves? Nebraska. So I, Nebraska. I actually did another uh, interview on a different podcast for a different thing entirely, and there was a Nebraska fan on there and i asked him what is your goal every season like what are you expecting every year and he has national championship like, well it must have been <laughs> it must have been a rough decade last you know decade in in nebraska because you guys aren't even close like that's the thing here with us yeah. buffs fans and, and, at least and, we're and like right, hey, right. give me a bowl game give me eight wins we're happy let's improve National championship. That's something else. And we end up three and nine instead. Yeah, right? exactly. And and uh, the best part is that as I'm out there, the uh, volleyball, women's volleyball national championship was happening. Nebraska was in the national well, championship. I, mean, I got mean? to watch Nebraska lose the national <laughs> championship. It was fantastic. I was Good. the only one in the audience. You were watching. Right. For, you were watching that for the volleyball. Let's <laughs> be honest. All right. So uh, for today, we're going to give our season awards. We always like to do this at the end of the year. No matter how good or how bad, right? 12 or 0 or 0 and 12, we'll come here, give our awards, how we think these players did during the season. Uh, we will also look at, like I said, the new, the, uh, new recruits, and it's going to be exciting to fill these voids, and there's not many. I mean, there's not a ton of seniors leaving. A couple of players expected to go to the draft, things like that, but... You know, that's the thing about the buffs is if you will find, which I think there's tons of optimism for the for the future, but if you want to find one specific point, this is a young team. I think the youngest or second youngest in the uh, Pac-12, and with the good recruits that they have coming in, there's nothing but, in my opinion, positivity. Because you go from this year, four and eight, I think there's only uh, positive things ahead and only kind of upside if you look at the future as we sit right now. So let's just get to it. Let's let's get our season awards done. Uh, let's uh, start with offensive MVP. Offensive MVP, who do you guys got? I'll start. Actually, Jared, you start. I want you to give your uh, offensive MVP. I'm going to finish this one up. 
Uh, you know, it, it, we we were talking about it before the show came on here, and it's it's tough, guys. It's a little slim pickings this year offensively. This this offense struggled pretty much throughout the entire year, and I, and and for me, the offensive MVP is Brendan Rice. I think a guy that flashed more than anyone else on this offense throughout the year. The big play guy. He he led the team in average yards per catch. So he's kind of more the big play guy. And I think when he was going, and when they got. You know, made a point to get Brandon Rice involved. This offense was more productive, and I and I hope to see this offense moving forward make him a focal point. Maybe not to the extent, but similar of what they did with Lavisca Chenault a few years back. Well, a reason why I like that is when Brendan Lewis finally was able to settle in this year. You could tell that his kind of safety valve, the one receiver he would go to in in, in third down situations, big time plays was Brennan Rice. And so I agree that if you're going to look at some kind of MVP type on the outside, he would probably be the the one to look at. And in my opinion, it's because of how he helped Brendan Lewis develop. So I think that's a big uh, a big one there. Ryan, what do you got for offensive MVP this year? Well, I went with Jared Broussard. Um, okay. Again, like Jared was saying, not not too much to really go off offensively this year for the Buffs, but I feel like Jared was, was the most consistent on offense. Um, we got used to last year, you know, with the COVID year, um, seeing, you know, multiple uh, big-time runs, uh, breaking off huge runs, you know, 60, 70 yards. Um, didn't see that a lot, but when we needed when we needed a play, Jarek was there to to deliver it. Um, only had two touchdowns this year, but ran for 660 yards and um, you know, obviously would like to see him get in the end zone a little bit more, but I think uh, I think he was he was a uh, he was the most consistent guy on offense this year. Yeah, uh, good year for him. Always easy to pick Broussard. I mean, you know, hope he's uh, got more in the tank. All right, I'm going to go uh, off the board pick here. I know the offensive line didn't have a great overall season, but Kari Cooch had a very good year. I mean, his pass blocking grade of 83.9, according to PFF, was much better than any other buff on the offensive line. He was the only, excuse me, he was only at fault for one sack this season and only gave up through the entire year four pressures. That's 669 snaps. He gave up four pressures. Tied for the team with eight direct touchdown blocks, meaning he was responsible for eight touchdowns blocking. How many touchdowns did the Buffs have this year? It wasn't that many. Not a lot. (laughs) Exactly. So, Kari Cooch, eight direct touchdown blocks. You look at his stats, it's like, oh my gosh. Like, we always want to pick out these receivers, running backs, quarterbacks. Obviously, none of us are quarterback this year. But Kari Cooch had a really kind of low-key, efficient season. And when you, again, look at these stats, PFF had him graded very high. He was at fault for one sack, four pressures, Eight direct blocks leading to touchdowns. Jared, did you get how many touchdowns we had this 22. season? Twenty-two. Eight. I mean, that's that's over thirty-three percent. That that's well over a third of the touchdowns. So Kari Kuch had to, had to give it up. You don't often get an O lineman for MVP, but uh, I think you earned that for me. All right, let's get to the defense. Defensive MVP. I will start here because I know it's cheesy. I know I'm going out there, but how many other times am I going to get to get to give Nate Landman an award on this show? Okay. 
Uh, Nate Landman is one of my favorite buffs of all time. I'm talking since I've been watching as a child, which was decades ago. Nate Landman is right up there, probably top five buff of all time. Was it during any glory years? No, not necessarily. Was it, did he have, you know, is he going to go first round? Well, actually, maybe. I mean, who knows what his draft is going to look like? I don't think, as Jared as, uh, Jared has said, based on the NFL these days, I don't think he fits into a lot of defenses, which is not his fault. If this were 10 years ago, he'd I think he'd be a top 20 pick. Yeah, he'd be high. Yeah, for sure. So I'm not really sure. I'm not an NFL draft expert, so he may go high. But regardless of what anyone says about the team around him, Nate Landman, to me, when he played and he was healthy, I think just the fact that he played this year, he gets the MVP. He, he He's such a good... Everyone around him becomes better when he plays. His stats show, honestly. I mean, how many players do you uh, do you hear about defensively where it's like, well, he didn't show up on the stat sheet, but he makes everyone around him better. No, Nate Landman always showed up on the stat sheet, always made everyone around him better. And when you played against the Buffs, the one player you always had to think about first was Nate Landman. So I know he didn't have a full season. I know he didn't have all these stats and didn't play it in a ton of games, but... I'm just, I'm being selfish here and I'm being cheesy. I'm not going to get to say his name much more on this show. So I'm giving my defensive MVP 2021 to Nate Lehman. I think we could all agree that that's a a very, very fair and fitting pick. I think if if, if all of us probably were taking our number one guy, it's probably all three of us, Nate Lehman. Yeah, it's unanimous. Yeah. Uh, and, And so just for the sake of kind of discussing some of the other guys that I think on a defense that. At times, we forget that was was pretty good at times uh, for this team. They were putting a lot of bad positions throughout the year on the field a lot against you know talented offenses. Yeah, that's true, but there was a few games where they really showed up. I look at that Washington game as a game they really showed up defensively. Uh, a guy that I'm going to point to is Isaiah Lewis, somebody that really came on last year. Really was a surprise. We didn't expect to see a lot of him. Was on the field a lot last year. This year, he led the team in total tackles with 68. He had uh, two interceptions. He's a, he's really become a consistent, solid guy on the back end of that defense. That's kind of that almost hybrid linebacker safety role. I love it. Ryan, what do you got? MVP for the defensive side of the football. Uh, so this year I'm going to go with uh, Christian Gonzalez. He um, See, I thought you would go line. See, Ryan used to be on the line. Ryan's a D-lineman himself. <laughs> you know, Ryan was like pretty much like Carson Wells. I See, think that's it's, what, it's, so it's, I, I thought Ryan was good. I thought Ryan always, he always is, he's biased. Ryan is biased towards <laughs> D-lineman, so I'm surprised here he's going on the outside. <laughs> no, I went with Christian Gonzalez. I, I mean, he followed up a, a, a great uh, freshman year with – well, I guess technically it was a second freshman year. Is that right with COVID? I, uh, at this point, yeah, everyone's a freshman <laughs> in COVID. No, season. so, uh, you know, uh, he was fifth uh, on the team in total tackles. Um, you love to see that from a corner. Uh, five passes defensed. Um, you know, when you, you have that many tackles as a corner, that means, you know, um, A, you're, you're coming up to make a play on the ball. And then the other thing with, with you don't see a lot of, you know, only five passes defense. He didn't have any interceptions. But that's one of the biggest compliments a corner can, can get Absolutely. because they're they're not throwing to you. Right. They're not throwing at you because they, they know that the, it's it's not going to end well. I like that one a lot. And CU remains in the Pac-12 the best school at transporting cornerbacks to the NFL. That's going to continue. And he's a big reason why. I don't want to lose that momentum. You know, that's the thing. When you go from coaching staff to coaching staff, different coaches are good at getting different players in town. One thing I don't want to lose. And one thing I don't want these, no, these new coaches to ignore or maybe... 
focus more on getting these cornerbacks. I I don't know why we've been doing it. It's not like I don't know if Shiverini <laughs> has been. Do you guys have any answer as to why we've been able to do this? No, I because think success we breeds success, and, and and the bus have produce good corners so good other corners see that young kids that, see that, that that could absolutely be the reason because we have quietly become CU has quietly become the university of getting defensive backs in the NFL and it's really cool to see so so, so real quick for my defensive uh, player of the year yeah. I, I, I did have a runner up and I'm not joking um, I just wanted to give a shout out to Josh Watts um, I honestly think that he was probably Punter, the, 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 our punter. I think yeah. he was probably the biggest weapon, consistent weapon that this team had all year. And you know, it showed up uh, on the stat sheet. You know, there there were um, in in the top in the nation on on punting and punt coverage. Oh boy, and, where have uh, we gotten? To? We're talking about the field position. Hey, game listen, if in there's December. if there's <laughs> if there's anything other than uh, defensive backs at CU produces, it's kickers. I mean, I guess so. <laughs> I guess that's true. All right, so let's we're uh, let's let's move through these a little bit. So for breakout player of the year, I'm gonna do this. We're gonna leave it to one. Now raise your hand if you think you have the best one in the room. We're gonna do one breakout player of the year. Do you guys have the best, or should you guys want me to breakout player? Tyler, of the year? you look like you're confident in All what right. you got. Breakout player of the year for the CU Buffs, and again, there's not much to choose from here. But I'm gonna go Brady Russell, and for a player last season that didn't have a great year for a CU Buffs team that had such. I think, in my opinion, high expectations. He didn't have a great season last year. He got injured coming back this year. A lot of question marks. Okay, this is a really cool stat. Brady Russell, this year, became the first tight end ever in CU history to lead in both categories, yards and receptions, again, in the history of the Buffs. So, um, that's a really cool stat, that you have a tight end that is that effective, that efficient, that impactful, that he led the team in yards, he led the team in receptions, and all after, we didn't know what to expect. Look at the receiving room. Look at who's in, in the receiving room. You've got Rice. You've got, I mean, we talked to Montana Lamonius Craig before the season started. He's what, the third receiver, maybe fourth receiver on the team? They ha- they are loaded in the receiver yeah, in room. In terms this year. of catches and yards, he was fourth among receivers. Exactly. So. so look at Brady Russell this season 27, 25 receptions, 307 yards. Uh, very, very uh, great season for He was Brady a close Russell. second for me for MVP for the offense. Yeah, I, I think I mean, he, he look, was a solid, when reliable ta- player, when which ta- is what they needed. Exactly. When you talk about breakout player of the year, I think he fits that mold perfectly all right last award here of the season we will go around the horn here for this one each of us giving the award best performance of the year so this goes to a single game which single game performance do you think stands out the most i'll start jared you can go next and uh, ryan you can finish us up uh i think best performance i'm gonna go to the arizona game because you can find a couple in the arizona game but i'm gonna go on defense okay carson wells defensively Okay, against Arizona, Carson had four tackles, all of them solo, all of them for a loss, also had an interception for a touchdown that game. <laughs> okay? I mean, that's a huge that's a that's a big game. And so I, I know we didn't mention Carson earlier, and uh I think that's the breakout performance of the season. Carson Wells, four sacks, or excuse me, four tackles behind the line of scrimmage, uh pick six. I'm going to go there for my breakout uh, performance of the year. 
Jared, what do you got? So for me, it's it's going to be Robert Barnes, and this is going to be in the game uh, against Washington. The Buffs won uh, 20 to 17 against Washington. Robert Barnes led the team in tackles with nine, had seven solo tackles in that game, had a tackle for a loss, also came up with a couple of turnovers in that game, mm-hmm. a, a fumble recovery and an interception that were crucial in the Buffs holding off uh, the Huskies in that game because you know, if you remember back to that game, the offense, as it happened in a few different games, wasn't all that productive. Right, and the defense right. really kept them in that game and won that game for them, had turnovers in, in the red it's, zone. It's, isn't it crazy that before – it's so funny to look at the the way we looked at this season and before the year, if we would have said, we're going to finish 4-8 and eight, – but we're going to beat Washington. <laughs> you know, it's funny how things work out like that, but I and, like that and, one. And be like in a one. game all the way down to the end with Texas A&M. Right. That's a good one though. So, yeah. And, and he's a guy that, you know, didn't really show a ton throughout the year. Right. And, but I think in that game really kind of came on strong. This is after the Nate Landman injury and he got a little bit of a chance to get on the field more. And I think really showed through that game. And then the end of the year. All right. So I went Carson Wells against uh, Oregon state. Jared, who'd you go again? Uh, you uh, Robert went, uh, Barnes, Robert Barnes against uh, uh, Washington, Washington, Ryan wrap us up here. Who do you got for the breakout performance of the year? I stayed with my offensive player of the year, Jerry Broussard and uh, this game against Oregon state. Okay. 24 rushes, 150, 51 yards, uh, 6.3 yards per carry, a long of 49. And uh, don't forget, we won that game in overtime by a field goal. So his performance was definitely necessary. And that that's actually why I think that's a, a good one is because it was impactful to the game. You know, some of these others, it's like, hey, it was during a big, you know, blowout win, whatever, and see who had their, their stats, their points. Without Broussard, having a huge game like that, the buffs aren't in it in it late against Oregon State. And so uh, that's a good one. You know, Jerry Broussard, again, not the season we all expected, but uh, that's a nice way to wrap things up for our awards. So nice job, guys. Good awards this season. Let's hope next year we have a few more robust statistics to go off uh, for, for the awards. So, all right, uh, let's get to our staff update. New offensive coordinator, uh, let's get your guys' thoughts because honestly, there's been a lot of negativity on social media. Mike Sanford, specifically Mike Sanford Jr., uh, his dad used to coach for several teams in college and the NFL. Uh, all right, here I'll give you the quick rundown of his resume. Started off in 2005 for UNLV as a grad assistant, then worked his way up with Stanford, Yale, Western Kentucky, back for Stan- back to Stanford for three years, and then got his footing as an offensive coordinator. Started as an OC in, in uh, 2014 with Boise State, then moved on as an OC to Notre Dame, and then finally got an, a head coaching opportunity in 2017 with Western Kentucky. He was fired after two seasons. He went 9-16 and 16 as a head coach at WKU and then uh, rebounded in 2019 with Utah State as offensive coach or as uh, offensive coordinator and uh, QB coach and then got hired the last two seasons at Minnesota. So I know that was quick kind of rundown, but let me tell you what I pull away from that, okay? Uh, I see a coach who has gone back to two schools. Okay, he coached at Stanford 2007, went back there 2011. He also coached at uh, Western Kentucky 2010, and then went back there as the head coach in 2017. So what that says to me, institutions and programs that hire Mike Sanford want him back. They work with him. How often have we all worked with someone 
that we, you know, he's kind of a pain to work with, or maybe they weren't great at their jobs, or maybe, you know, there's some other circumstance that, that, that you know, didn't sit well, and then they leave the company. And then, and then you have a hiring opportunity, and that person applies again. How often are you just going to hire them? Not likely, unless they were really, really good to work with, you enjoyed it, because you have a whole, that's the thing about hiring new, new employees. It's always exciting, whether it's banks or football teams. It's always an opportunity to bring a new face in who can help the company. And so for him to be rehired now twice says to me, that's a good sign for him to work with. Also, the fact that he was hired as a head coach in 2017, he has experience as a head coach. I really like that, that he's been in that leadership spot. A lot of people are pointing to the fact that Minnesota didn't have great stats last year, and they didn't. And maybe you guys are going to bring that up, talk about that. I'm not sure I can come back to that if, if we need to. But I'm excited about Mike Sanford. I think that a a new, fresh start on offense is exactly what this team needs. We already talked about the young talent and that CU is ready to break out and score some points. I like the hire. I'm not going to go negative here. Jared, what do you think? I'm skeptical. Honestly, as I look back at at his time with Minnesota uh, prior to that, I'm afraid he's a more of an old school guy, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I think there, to an extent, you can be very successful. There are teams. I mean, look at look at the way a team like Georgia plays football. I mean, that's a that's an old school type team. But I just don't know if this is the forward thinking, innovative. I'm afraid that we're getting a guy that's everything that that we understand about Carl Durrell's style of offense is it's kind of old school. It may maybe doesn't take advantage of a lot of the the skill sets of a lot of players. It's kind of stuck in in its way. So, but here's I, the thing: let let me. I'm push afraid back. you're getting a guy that's going to fit into that mold and maybe not be the innovative, creative thinker well, to break this offense out of a funk that it could never figure okay. out its way. You're, I year. think you're right there, and I think that you're onto something. That if this offense does sputter, it's going to be because there's not a voice in the room who wants to push it, who wants exactly. to go over that's the top. That's a good way of putting it. Yeah. So so. So, you know, you look back at Minnesota, you look back at these Western Kentucky teams, and then when they did play well, but here's the, here's the other thing where I will push back, is what this can also result in is a maybe unintended consequence or an intended consequence, depending on what what's going on behind closed doors, Colorado could have one of the best rushing attacks in the Pac-12. So... I guess it all depends on how good the running game can be. And 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 again, I don't want to, you know, uh, I I don't want to just assume, oh, what we saw at Minnesota, the style clearly, of play is exactly what you're going to see. But he clearly here. likes to run the football. Exactly. And that that I'm okay with. And you have a quarterback if you're moving forward with Brendan Lewis as your And let's hold right on now. there cuz I'm not sure that's the case. Uh, but 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 regardless, if you have that kind of athleticism, that's one of the complaints I had throughout this entire last season. Let's utilize a guy like that in the running game. So I want to give this a chance. Let's say I'm skeptical. I, I I see this. It's not flashy. He's a guy that was not retained by Minnesota. His contract was up, and they didn't pursue him. And so that 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 to me is is saying something um, that that he was not highly sought after. Um, so I I. I I, I want to give him a chance, I, and I hope he does well. I do really like that he has the head coaching experience. I think that's a benefit. He's an experienced guy. He's not real old. He's 39, but to have that kind of experience. The other thing that I'm, I really like to see is 
he's a he's a known as a good recruiter, and that's something that we also lost as we talked about a few weeks ago in Darren Severini that that uh, Mike Sanford has been a you know a recruiter at the top as a head coach, and he has that experience. He's a good uh, guy to add to that team. Let me throw something else out there: Is it possible that Carl Durrell is pulling an MLB front office? And what I mean by that is. These days in baseball, front offices hire managers to just perform what the GM wants to do. That's all they're meant to do. It's going to be a little, I don't want to say puppet and reduce it that much. For God's sake, there's 30 jobs or whatever, 31 jobs in the, in the country. But that's what a lot of, of baseball has become. Does Carl Durrell want that now with his offensive coordinator? Does he want to hire a guy who maybe isn't the highest sought after, you know, the most sought after, the 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 big name, but someone who's going to get Carl Durrell's message through the offense with no questions asked. So I don't know that. That's pure speculation. But I just want to throw it out there. This wasn't a hire where it's some next big hot shot. It's not some you know. So it seemed to me like the hire where Carl Durrell is doing what Carl Durrell does best, making everything around him comfortable. Okay, he doesn't want to push it too much. No, let's make it comfortable. Let's not, and that's what Carl Durrell exhibits to me in the game. Let's not turn it over. Let's not make a mistake. Let's not throw it downfield because you may throw an interception. So, I just hope, kind of like Jared said, that we don't get too conservative. We don't pull back too much from this. Ryan, what do you think about the new hire? Do you like it? Are you a fa- are you a fan of it? Yeah, I think he's kind of doing like a. I can't remember what I think it's like in the episode of, of the office. She's uh, one of the new CEOs just goes, I'm going with an opposite thing here. He's, he's <laughs> tall and skinny. She's short and fat. Like, so, so I, I, I kind of do get a little bit of those vibes. And, and, and I think, you know, a lot of times with coach Chev, I, I felt like we were trying, we were trying to do too much for guys that weren't prepared to do it in, in point in case with Brendan Lewis this year. Um, so I think um, Coach Durrell is kind of going in the other direction. I I personally like that type of football more. I think it's more predictable when you run the football, play good defense. Um, you know, go go deep when when your tendencies tell you to do so. Um, one thing that I do like about about Sanford is um, one thing that I always like to look at when when coaches get hired is who they have surrounded themselves with. And here's a quick list of head coaches that Mike Sanford's been under in his career. Started off with John Harbaugh, um, spent some time at Yale, Western Kentucky. Then he spent three years with David Shaw, um, one year with uh, Brian Harson, another year with Brian Kelly, and then last wow. year with PJ Fleck. I that's mean, those are really, some good yeah, head coaches. No, that that's see, that's what I like about these different angles talking about this because I know I didn't look at that. I had no idea he'd worked with with those kind of names, and and I really like that because two. How things. much do you learn from those? Well, guys, exactly, you know? exactly. You you learn a lot, and you start to understand what those coaches do in their in their habits. And a lot so. of winning football teams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, and we're, again, we're not bringing him in as head coach. He's the offensive coordinator. Exactly. So I really like that. Again, and he has head coach experience himself. So that's a great point. And uh, overall, let's give it a grade before we move on from here. I'm going to give it a grade of a B plus, B plus higher for the buffs. Jared, what do you think? I'm going to go with the C right now. I think until you kind of prove to me that this is an above average hire, I can't go above a C. Ryan? Uh, I'm going to go with a solid B. Um, 
I think it was. I think it's positive. I, I again, I don't know much about him as a coach or a play caller specifically, but I, I bumped it up from a C to a B because Darrell is making moves. I think so too. And speaking of making moves, let's get to the 2022 recruiting class. Now, for those who have not been following, just a few weeks ago, maybe a week and a half ago, or was it just last week? My goodness, it's the holidays. Time. <laughs> It speeds up during the holidays, okay? So I'm not sure what's going on here. But very recently, I want to say probably a week and a half ago or so, it was the first national signing day for the 2022 football class. So we're starting to get a really good idea of what these recruiting classes will look like in 2022. And the Buffs, right now, aren't sitting in a terrible position. They're sixth in the Pac-12. And by the way, all these rankings that I'm going to use are according to 247 Sports, which I find to be the most accurate uh, public outlet. But the Buffs are 6th in the Pac-12, 48th nationally, which if you ask me, the Buffs right now, out of 130 teams, the way they played football this season with Brendan Lewis as their quarterback, I think they're probably rated, and I think this is probably generous, around 60 to 70. Very generous. Very generous, right? <laughs> so to have the 48th best recruiting class is a real accomplishment, I think. And they're not done, okay? So 48th nationally, 6th in the Pac-12. What do you guys think? And last year, they I, when were... When you look at the, it as a whole, what do you think? Honestly, it, 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 to put some perspective to it, last year they were sitting here, let me look, it was 64th nationally is where they ended on the seasons last year so uh good to see that progression i think that was one of my concerns when carl drell came in here because mel tucker had seemed to do such a good job uh that that year that he was there i was afraid we were going to lose a lot of that momentum so to see that actually kind of uptick um that that, that's good to see also with with losing cheverini through this process to get a lot of these guys to still commit that tells me that carl durrell has his finger on this pulse probably better than i was giving him credit for yeah yeah so some of the things that i really love about this class is you know cu has always been great at i'd say and I would have to obviously go back and, and do numbers and, and math on this all, but I'd say probably the majority of CU's, all of CU's uh, recruiting classes are are um, Texas dominated, and, yeah. and um, you know that's something in in the glory days, you know the the late '80s, early '90s. That's where all of our best players were coming from was Texas, and I love seeing that we got a couple guys out of Georgia starting to uh, leak into into the South a little bit more, and uh, you know I think you're just going to get better caliber players the farther south you go. So they certainly reached out. They have players from all over the place. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven states total so far. Of their signings, which uh, again was how many players do they have total? They've got 8, 11, 14, 16, 17, 18. They have 19 players signed so far. Yep. So, of 19 players, uh, eight states, they're reaching out. They're certainly yeah. extending the rake, as we say, in recruiting. And uh, we're going to highlight a couple of these recruits that we are excited about that are coming in. And that's the thing about it is it's all about, you know, we. We complained about the season sometimes, and we were excited about the season sometimes, and we had hope for a bowl game, and, and, and you know, it's it's up and down, but the joy, and, and what I love about college football is there's always next year, you know, you got the next recruiting class coming in. Hope springs eternal. Absolutely, man, <laughs> and I love this recruiting class. I'm not... I, 
I know I get excited for things with the buffs irrationally, but I don't think I'm doing so here. I'm, I think we got some really, really good players coming in. And I'm going to start off by talking about Owen McCown because Josh McCown is one of the best consistent quarterbacks that the NFL the NFL scene in the last couple decades. I mean, was he ever Tom Brady? No, but does he know how to play the quarterback position? Absolutely. And does it help for Owen McCown to grow up in a family where he was always in the locker room, at practices, at games, throwing the football? I love this hire. And he's got, some, I mean, it's important to know how these guys perform in high school because if, you, if you're not performing in high school, what are you expected to do in the NFL? Now, sometimes there's injuries. Sometimes you're on a loaded team. Like we live in, in Denver, Colorado, and a lot of you can look up Valor Christian High School and Cherry Creek High School. Both of those around us, all of those players go to Oklahoma and Oregon and Ohio State and Texas A&M. And so they perform. So uh, so what will happen a lot of the time is if you're the third or fourth receiver at like one of these high-profile profile schools, you may not lead the team in the stats, but that doesn't necessarily mean you're some bum. That's what recruiting takes. And that's honestly what I think CU's hit on a lot in this in this recruiting class. But that doesn't really apply for Owen McCown because he had a, bre- a breakout year. He's completing almost 70% of his passes, almost 300 yards a game, 36 touchdowns, and four interceptions. I'm excited for Owen McCown, not just because he's going to be a great player, but because right now, the future of quarterback at CU is not looking great based on what we saw this year. Now, we got JT Shrout coming back, hopefully, from injury. We've got some transfers. We got this signing with Owen McCown, and we have other quarterbacks coming in. So, uh, the, the, the quarterback... Uh, situation should be solved soon, but he's going to be a big part of that. So Owen McCown, quarterback, huge signing for the 2022 class. Jared, who are you excited about? Offensively, I'm going to stay local. A guy that you kind of just touched on it on a lot of the the big-time players from Colorado end up leaving the state, and it drives me crazy. So to see the Buffs flip a guy, Grant Page, out of Mm. Fairview High School, local, out of Boulder, you know, to see them flip him late, he was a guy that was looking like he was not going to stay home, that he was going to leave. Actually, Nebraska was in one of the teams that was uh, in his list. So to see the Busks keep this guy, uh, you know, at home where he belongs is awesome. And you know, you, you kind of just touched on it a little bit, Tyler, with some of the stats sometimes can can be a little deceiving. He didn't have a huge statistical year. Uh, he playing for Fairview, they're pretty stacked at the receiver position. They yeah. have a freshman that was their leading receiver, uh, but but he did have. Some, you know, some solid stats on the year uh, with uh, 39 receptions, 473 yards, two touchdowns, uh, average 12 yards of reception. So he has that ability for the big play. And when you watch him, his, him on the on tape, he's big. He plays big. He's a physical guy. He's listed at six uh, three. I think 100 and uh, excuse me, 190 pounds. But he looks big out on the field. He plays physical. And, and I think he's a guy that will be a big time red zone type. Makes me kind of think of a guy like Daniel Arias, the way that he plays. I like that one. Local, staying home. And look, when you talk about local recruits and players staying home wanting to play for their for their you know local schools that used to be so important and i want that to come back and right now if you look at the 247 sports top 10 in colorado do you know how many are staying home and playing in the state two now thankfully they're both going to cu it's travis gray offensive tackle for cu 
and uh, Grant Page, like you said, uh, also going to the Buffs. But the number one overall recruit in the, NC, in, uh, the state, Gavin Sawchuk, running back for Valor, going to OU. George Fitzpatrick, fantastic offensive tackle, going to Ohio State. Jake Maikua, again, another great offensive tackle, Stanford. Braden Miller, offensive tackle, Michigan State. Connor Jones, offensive guard, Michigan. So we're talking right now. Four, either three or four-star recruits, all on the offensive line, leaving the state. And that's what has to change in the near future. Now, that's great that Jared brought up uh, Grant Page. That's a big get, but that needs to continue. And to go on, uh, the only other guys who are staying in state who are like highly sought after, Luke Meyer going to Air Force. He's a uh, edge rusher. Uh, Kai O'Day Jr., receiver, going to CSU. Aaron Karnas, offensive tackle, going to CSU. So these guys who are three stars who are a little bit lower rated but still staying in state, not playing with the buffs. So you could say they're not good enough to play with CU, which I would probably agree with for some of them. But I don't still love that the top five recruits were getting one of them, Grant Page, the other, OU, Ohio State, Stanford, Michigan State. Let's hope that improves. All right, Ryan, what do you got for your uh, offensive player you're excited about? Uh, I'm going with one of the uh, one of the most uh, publicized guys that CU has on their uh, recruiting class this year is uh, Victor Venn. He's a running back from Buford, Georgia. Okay. Goes to Buford High School. He's 5'9", 170 pounds. And this guy is shifty, and he is fast. Um, he helped Buford High School to their third straight 6A uh, Georgia State Championship this year. Um, he's ranked the number four running back uh, in the entire state of Georgia. Um, only played looks like in in uh, five games this year. I'm assuming it's it's it was because of injury, but uh, 37 carries for 316 yards. That's eight and a half yards a carry, and had four touchdowns on the year as well. All right, that's awesome. I love that. Uh, definitely going to be one of those maybe Broussard types, right? A little shiftier, yeah. a little quicker on the outside. I mean, it's a crowded yeah. running back room, but you well, know, and, and we got time. I was just gonna to add on to that, and I don't think it's something we've touched because it's happened since we were on here last. That uh, Ashad Clayton has entered the transfer portal. No, he signed with Tulane. Oh, he's with Tulane yeah, already. Yeah. So hey, Green Wave. Yeah. So <laughs> that's you know Back that home. that right. was one of the the bigger you know recruits for CU a couple years ago. So to see them kind of replenish what they're losing, that's what oh, for big sure. To see. All right, let's get to the defensive side of the football. Can't ignore the defense, and unfortunately, we won't have the stats because there's no statistics available for defensive players. But uh, what we did is we went in, watched some tape, watched some film, got an idea for how these guys played, and the one player I'm really, really excited about, Shaquan Bowser, linebacker, kind of edge... Well, he played everywhere for the defense, kind of linebacker, sometimes edge rusher. He played a lot on the line of scrimmage just because he's so... I, I think in high school, he did a lot of damage getting off the line, but it seems to me he can easily line up you know, as a potentially outside linebacker, maybe a more Carson Wells type who's athletic on the outside. But I'm excited about Bowser because he's super, super athletic. He's a big dude, 6'4", 225. He's actually the 11th best player in the state of Arizona, which produces a ton of talent. But he gets everywhere. I mean, I saw him have a strip sack. He's, he's deflecting passes. He's covering tight ends, stopping the rush. So he's not just one of these guys who does one thing well, very versatile at the outside linebacker position. I'm really excited about Shaquan Bowser out of Queen Creek High School in Arizona. 
Jared, what do you got for your defensive recruit? All right, let's just say first, as I look through these defensive recruits, I'm excited about a lot yeah, of guys. No kidding. On it was tough to pick. A lot sure. of length, a lot of sets. I'm literally, as we're on the show here recording, I keep switching, and I'm looking <laughs> at different guys and highlights. So I'm, I'm changing, fully changing up on you guys, what good, I said before good. the show. I'm going to go with Aubrey Smith, linebacker, an off-ball linebacker. One, okay. of the, one of the few true off-ball linebackers they're recruiting this year. When you watch his tape, he's listed at Six foot two, 220 pounds. But when you watch his tape, he looks and plays like a safety. The way he moves out there, they put him all over the field. So I think maybe like a buff back or something? Yeah, like a star of, back? Exactly. I think he's kind of that hybrid role, uh, but he's physical. And he is a big hitter inside the box, out in space. So that's something that showed up time and time so again. So the first name tape. that comes to mind when you say fast hits, all Davion Taylor. Yes. I'm like, <laughs> yes. And he, he's built like Davion Taylor as well. And, and he's one of the guys you mentioned. They're recruiting well out of Georgia. He's one of the guys coming out of Georgia, uh, a three-star recruit. Now, it's always crazy to me when you look at, like, Georgia or Alabama and their, like, state rankings because he's ranked way down there within the state of, uh, of Georgia. Right. But it's insane the amount of talent they have coming out of those areas. So I'm really excited about Aubrey Smith. I think he's a guy that when we talk about a guy like Nate Landman not being there anymore. And I don't think he's a uh, you know identical match of Nate Landman. I don't think you're getting the same type of player necessarily, but the type of guy that can anchor a linebacking core, that's what the Buffs need. And I think Aubrey Smith's a guy that can be that in the future. Awesome. Ryan, what do you got? Defensive recruit. Uh, I've got Dylan Dixon. He's uh, he's listed as a safety, but uh, he's see. out of Pearl in Texas. At, it looks here, according to 247 Sports, like he's their top recruit, according top to like, recruit? Their, their ranking system. Yeah, he's a point. Eight seven four, which would make him the best uh, recruit this year. That's great. Yeah, his his uh, his measurables. He's six six two one ninety. And watching film on this guy, um, again, he's listed as a safety, but I wouldn't doubt that in other places he's listed as an athlete. I saw him uh, not only playing safety, uh, playing receiver, uh, returning kicks, taking end end arounds. Um, oh, I love off. that. I love those kind of recruits. Um, so he looks he looks like he's mo- mostly like a, a coverage, main, mainly coverage guy. But, uh, but man, if he's in the area, he's a ball hawk. He goes and tries to make the play. Um, wh- only one criticism. I know I got, I'm so negative with when it comes to CU football, but hey, only, cri- only you crit- just hold them to a high standard. <laughs> yeah, so the only criticism I have is when he does get the ball in his hands, he he, he doesn't look quite as controlled. He kind of looks like he just needs to um, be more comfortable with his athleticism and, and, and with his body. But, but man, he, he looks like – I mean, that's what they go to college for. These coaches are going to get him coached up. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm really excited about Dylan Dixon. No, they, there's a lot of guys to be excited about. And before we wrap up the recruiting conversation, we gave a grade for the coaching staff and what we think about that. Let's give a grade for the recruits this year. So far, what we think of the class that we brought in, I'm going to give it, seriously, this sounds weird, an A-. minus. I think that this really highly exceeds my expectations. I mean, Carl Durrell is showing that he can get out there and recruit. Like, this is his class. This is his class. And six in the Pac-12 for a UCLA team that's – sparking a lot of interest. You got Oregon who's going to get people naturally. USC that's going to get people naturally. To get in their sixth, that's much better than we've had recently. So I'm going A-. minus. What do you think, Jared? I'll give it a B plus. Kind of along in the same lines. I think to me, if we can see this jump into, you know, uh, a top 30 class, top 40 class uh, in the country, that's where I think... And and let's be careful. I, I, I do. We talk about this, it seems like, year over year. Some of these rankings I want to be a little bit careful of because... 
it's it's really tough for these guys to get true evaluations. And how often do we see these three star guys but, end up but, being NFL stars? Yeah, you're right. But hold on, let's because uh, you're right. Jared's exactly right in terms of it's not accurate, but. That means it could be not accurate in the in a, the positive. Exactly. So it's and, not and so just a negative thing. 100%. It could go both ways. So I don't want to just base, oh, if you're at this rank, you get this grade. I look at a a big, athletic, versatile class, uh, uh, guys that I think are going to get on the field quickly because they have the bodies and, and the physical stature to do that. And that's important for a team that needs, I think, turnover a little bit and get – I mean, we're obviously a young team, but – Man, we need to get an influx of production on the field uh, on both sides of the ball. All right, cool. Uh, Ryan, grade for the class. Um, I'm going to go – I'm going to do the same thing I did with the coaches. I'm going to give it a B. The only reason I, I, I don't have them at an A, um, I just – every year when these recruiting classes get put together, I'm very discouraged on the amount of, um, amount of talent that we're putting back into the trenches. Mm-hmm. Out of all the guys that we have – three offensive linemen, one defensive lineman. No. So that's concerning to me because nothing else works if you aren't winning the offensive and defensive line That battles. matters. And we're not done with this. So we're halfway through. So by the way, for uh, just an update for the future of the podcast, we will be off for the foreseeable future. This is, this is our season finale show. But I think we're going to come back probably mid-February around Valentine's Day or so, maybe a little after that, because the next recruiting period ends on February 2nd. And I know we all have, I know I'm, I go to the Super Bowl or to Vegas for the Super Bowl and, and you guys got some work stuff going on, whatever. But we'll come back mid-February and do a show after the next signing period because there's a lot more information that's available to us after that period. And we're going to have a really, a much better idea of what this class looks like. They're going to add 15 more people. Yeah, well, and and to that point too, uh, I, I believe spring football starts late March, so um, you know our, our coaching staff will be completely filled out, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, just have a lot more news. So we'll be back in February, and then we'll let you know then kind of what things are looking like. In the meantime, follow us on Twitter at Buffs Podcast. All the information, all the news you're ever going to need for this show will be on there. Twitter at Buffs podcast all right before we get out of here uh, i know we mentioned the schedule release earlier this year earlier this uh, show we'll cover that the next podcast they won't play any games they're not playing any games between now and then but (laughs) you know for those who do listen before the the playoffs let's get some quick playoff picks uh alabama minus 13 and a half against uh cincinnati this is not a gambling show so we we won't go against the spread so just picking winners who you guys got i'm taking alabama alabama ryan Alabama, of course. Yeah, and then uh, <laughs> Georgia, Michigan. Does anyone think the Wolverines can upset Georgia? I am actually on that bandwagon. Wow, right now. Ryan's got Michigan. <laughs> I got Michigan. Okay. No, I, I have Georgia right, winning, baby. and I think both Michigan and Cincinnati got hosed in the way that this these matchups came yeah. came. It about. happened exactly how and, the NCAA and wanted it. And, and it's too. all because you, you don't want the two SEC teams going against each other again. And they're but, going but to. But that's what it should be. There's no reason why Georgia, who is the number one team in the country, loses a game and then they Goes fall to three. To three. <laughs> I and know. then and somehow Cincinnati doesn't move at all. And so it just it didn't make sense. And and in my mind, I think Michigan's getting screwed because they're gonna end up missing out on national championship. You know, and I won't get too far into this, but I, I think it's so silly that, that that's the narrative around that they didn't want Alabama and Georgia playing twice in, in a row. There's like six weeks between the games. 
Right. There's so much. Yeah, that can but change. we've seen that show, and I think that's what this is. If we've seen anything, but we're about gonna see it. Okay, playoff. so we're gonna wait one more week to see that show. Because then now you can build up to that <laughs> show because that's the rematch and the championship. I think Look, you need the drama. I, I think that's you gonna happen anyway. Drama. I think Alabama wins. I think Georgia wins, I and agree. I think we have an SEC championship in the end. But uh, so who do you got winning be, it all then? I, I got uh, Georgia actually beating wow. Alabama in the rematch. <laughs> Yeah. Alabama taking out. I never <laughs> bet against. Well, Nick Ryan, Saban. you have, so you got Michigan and Bama. Who you got? Or yeah, who you got winning the uh, Michigan and Bama? I, I think Alabama will win national mm-hmm. championship. Well, there you go. I mean, hey, a quick a quick couple picks. Hey, you got to go get blue. out on that. Yeah, but let's go. Hey, Buffs Nation, stay positive, stay optimistic. Things are looking up for the future. We'll talk to you mid February on the Buffs Nation podcast.